And then the rest of us, if we would, please uh, try to track down a Bible. In, in the chairs in front of you, there are book racks. And if you uh, find one of those Bibles, it's a navy blue Bible. And uh, if you turn with me, we're in the book of Proverbs. And we're in chapter 3, uh, midway through chapter 3. So in the Bibles that are here, you would find it on page 544. Page 544. This is Proverbs 3, verses 13 to 35. I will read the text, and then we will pray and get to work. So Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge the watery depths were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, Come back tomorrow, and I'll give it to you then, when you already have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse anyone for no reason, when they have done you no harm. Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways. For the Lord detests the perverse, but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. The wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. Let's pray. Lord, as we open your word, we're praying that by your spirit, through that word, you would speak to us. Lord, we pray that you would make us a wise people, people who can skillfully live in a way that is pleasing to you. We pray for your help in these moments. We, we want to be transformed. We pray for your Spirit's ministry and work, that you would be working in and through us to, to make us wise people. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to show you a couple things here as we work our way through the text. First off, wisdom in the world. And what we're going to find is that wisdom is at the very part of creation itself. It's a part of the fabric of existence. So it works. It's valuable. It works. It's how God rigged this place up. And so we shouldn't be surprised then that if we follow wisdom, we're going we're gonna to be walking in a good way. In fact, a pastor and author, Tim Timothy Keller, he puts it like this. He says, if there is a God, there is, then to disregard him would be, pardon my, my language, but it would be stupid. If there is a God and he knows how the world works, then to disregard his ways and his words would actually be foolish. And so we find first that there is wisdom in the world and it's how God made it. And so we want to try to 
perceive it and apply it, but then also we find out that wisdom is for the world, that to follow the ways of wisdom actually makes the world a better place. And so let's get after it. First off, wisdom in the world in verses 13 to 26. Wisdom is built into the fabric of existence and is valuable to those who perceive it. So look at verse 13. Blessed are those who find wisdom. Blessed are the people who apprehend wisdom. They are people who experience the favor of God, those who gain understanding. We're going to circle back to that in a few minutes, but the, the idea is if you find wisdom, you find something incredible. You are a blessed individual. And the reason why is because wisdom is more valuable than anything else. Look at verses 14 and 15. For she, wisdom is being personified here, she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. So wisdom is the most valuable commodity in all of creation. Wisdom is the thing that if we understand what it is, we should recognize this is incredibly valuable. To, to apprehend wisdom is to find the most valuable thing. This idea, uh, I, I tend to call it the treasure principle, but I really do think it's the dividing line between nominal Christianity, people who will say, I'm a Christian, but then you examine their life and you go, well, I don't see a ton of proof of that, versus an authentic believer who is living radically for the king and his kingdom. The dividing line, I would say, is the treasure principle. What is it that you treasure? And the Bible repeatedly puts it out there that those who understand the significance of what God has done recognize it to be an, an invaluable treasure. So the Lord himself, Matthew 13, 44, he told two parables and he said, the kingdom of heaven, which is like shorthand for somebody who finds wisdom and recognizes the king and all his ways. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a treasure in a field. And then it says, in his joy, he goes away and he sells everything so he can purchase that field. So he recognizes how valuable the, the kingdom of heaven is. And, and the thing that the parable is saying is everything else in his life, he can part ways with joyfully because he recognizes he is trading up, getting this, this treasure. The psalmist puts it like this. It says, whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth, there's nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart might fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 73, 25 and 26 is saying, look, I, I survey the world and I look around and I realize there is nothing that I want more than God. And I peer into heaven and I look at all of the blessings and all of the rewards and all of the grandeur of heaven itself. And I come to the conclusion, there is nothing and no one that I desire more than God himself more than having that treasure, having that relationship with God. And my heart and my strength might fail. The things that I long for might fail me, but you, God, are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's coming to realize the treasure of wisdom or the treasure of the kingdom of God. C.S. Lewis put it like this. He says, don't let your happiness depend on something that you might lose. There are a lot of things in life that are that are fickle, that we might have in one moment and lose in the next. And, and Lewis rightly apprehends it and says, don't let your happiness be bound up with that. Let your happiness be in something that you could never lose, your relationship with God himself. So if you have wisdom, here's how I put it in my notes. If you have wisdom, though you might not have anything else, you would actually have everything.
if you have wisdom, even if you don't have a lot of other things that you can kind of put to your name, if you have wisdom, you actually have everything. Negatively, if you don't have wisdom, you might possess the world. You might possess all kinds of wealth and resources and experiences and a beautiful Instagrammable life. But if you don't have wisdom, the assessment at the end of the day is actually you don't have anything. To have wisdom is to have everything. To lack wisdom is to lack the most important thing. The Lord put it like this. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? What we believe is that wisdom leads us to seeing who God is and what he's done for us and to receive from him then all of the blessings of the king and his kingdom. And that's what Proverbs chapter 3 does. It shows us the blessings of walking in the way of, of wisdom. Look at verse 16. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Now this is, we've got to be careful here. We keep reminding ourselves of this truth. Following the way of wisdom is not a mechanical thing where you say, I'm going to do wise things, and then God's going to give me all of these gifts immediately. What we find in real time is the promise holds true, but often the delivery of the promise is delayed. So long life and riches, sometimes we experience it in the here and now, but oftentimes we're waiting for it to come true, and we're fine with that. We're just fine with that because we know it is coming, and God will deliver these different things. Long life in her right hand and in her left are riches and honor. Verse 17, she has a path that is pleasant and peaceful. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. To walk in the way of wisdom is to walk in this pleasant and peaceful path. Now, at my house, we've been reading Little Pilgrim's Big Journey, and you guys are probably getting sick of hearing about it, or... Some, as I'm finding out, some of you are buying it and reading it for yourselves because you're like, dude, this is like the sermon every week. But in this story, Pilgrim's Progress, in the kids' version, uh, we were reading this week, and Christian and Hopeful are walking, and they get to a point in their journey where they're walking on the path beside the water of the river of life, the river full of the water of life. And they're walking beside that, and they're discussing it, and they're saying to each other, Christian to Hopeful, and vice versa, they're saying this is incredible. And isn't it a shame that some people will never experience this path? And they are recognizing the peace that that path is holding in that moment and the pleasant ways that they're walking along. But if you've read the story, that's not the, that's not the entire assessment of the path. They've been through all kinds of difficulties. They've walked through danger. They've, they've walked up the, the hill of difficulty. They've been through the valley of humiliation. They've been Beside lions, he's fought in Napoleon, he's done all these different things. The path has often been very difficult, but when he evaluates it in this moment, he's able to say, this is peaceful. This is pleasant. To walk in the way of the king is to walk along a pleasant path. And to follow this way of wisdom is to walk along this incredible path. And this path, look at verse 18, leads to a tree of life. She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Bruce Waltke is a stud, and it's weird for me to say that because he's 92 years old. So for me to look at a 92-year-old and go, this dude is a stud. He's an Old Testament scholar, 
and everything that I've read from him has impressed me. And as I work through his commentaries, whether in Genesis or his uh, Old Testament survey or his commentary on Proverbs, it leads me to worship. It often shows me things that help me to appreciate my Savior even more. But he comments that the, the tree of life in the ancient Near East is symbolic. Regardless of the exact culture in which you're residing in, in the ancient Near East, the tree of life is symbolic of healing and eternal life. And we know from the scriptures, we know that Adam and Eve lived in the garden of God and the tree of life was there. And through their rebellion, they forfeited their direct access to that tree. But here's what Waltke says in his commentary. He says, humans can regain access to this tree of life by humbling themselves and receiving by faith the words of eternal life, which are inseparable from the word, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, having found wisdom, the wise take hold of her and hold her fast. You see what he's doing there? He's recognizing that Proverbs is really pointing us to the person and work of Christ, that this, this tree of life that wisdom herself reflects is the Lord Jesus. And those who recognize that Jesus is the, the way to regain access to eternal life and healing, those who recognize that lay claim to that by faith. And they hold fast to that and they say, this, this is the way. And they hold on to their Savior by faith and they receive then all of the blessing. The blessing of his salvation, the blessing of his forgiveness, the promise of his healing, the provision of his reward, the future with God. They, those who are wise lay claim to wisdom and hold fast to her. And they experience blessing. Look at the verse again. It says, those who hold fast to her are blessed. The Lord taught this same lesson many years later. Uh, Jesus himself, his most downloaded sermon, so to speak, the Sermon on the Mount. He's communicating to people and he starts out his sermon with that very word. And he populates the, the blessings with surprising categories. He says, there is a way to be blessed. And he says, blessed are the poor, the mourners, the meek, those who long for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted. He says, blessed are those who look like this. But what is he doing? He's showing us that there is a way to experience the blessing of God. And that blessing of God, it transcends the, the circumstances. It's crazy, but you could be persecuted. Your life could be threatened. You could lose your life, and the Lord would still say, you are blessed. Why? Because you have laid hold to this way that is the tree of life. You have laid hold to the king himself, and you are laying claim to him by faith. This is my savior. This is my reward. This is my treasure. So they will be blessed. Now, it's built into the fabric of the world. Look at the creation account given us in verse 19. It says, by wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundation. And by understanding, he set the heavens in place. In other words, he rigged up this whole experience that we have, the world itself, and he did it by and through his wisdom. He built the world with his wisdom. And he sustains the world by his wisdom. Look at verse 20. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided. The clouds let drop the dew. I was reading a paragraph that a preacher was reflecting on this and uh, talking about how this works. I mean, when we just stop for a minute and we think about how incredible it is 
that God built the world and then he maintains the world, it's breathtaking. So if you think about the, the, the area in which these documents were written, you've got the, the Mediterranean Sea and you've got all this water and water is really, really heavy. But somehow water just goes up into the air. Uh, I've been following, I've always ridden sideways my whole life and so I follow skateboarding and snowboarding and I'm following you know, some surfers and there was a contest recently where the waves were so gnarly that surfers were getting, professional surfers were getting injured. One dude's, this is last week, one dude broke his femur, the biggest bone in, in his body, the water just snapped it like a twig. That's how heavy water is. That's how powerful water is. But God is able to take a body of water and just lift it up into the air through evaporation. And then it's got salt in it, which if, if that were to, you know, come down on the crops, that would be toxic. And so somehow the sky filters the toxins out of the water. And the water is able to move many miles over to where the fields are. And then God rings it out, puts it together in clouds. It condenses, it gets heavy. And then he doesn't just drop it because that would destroy everything, but he trickles it out. So God built the world with his wisdom and he superintends the world by his wisdom. And even the clouds are letting drop the dew according to the wisdom of God. The whole thing then is operating according to the wisdom of God. So it should not surprise us if we say we're going to choose wisdom and it actually works. We're going to choose to follow in the way of God and find that it actually works. It is how the world is built and sustained. So let's get it. Look at verse 21. My son, do not let wisdom out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. Lay, lay your eyes on this thing and do not look away. Wisdom is incredibly valuable. It will bless you in all these ways. Look at verse 22. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. To follow wisdom is to experience life. It will protect you. Look at verse 23. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. To walk in the way of wisdom is to recognize that God is guiding your steps. Again, in Pilgrim's Progress, there's a moment where Christian goes into a cave. It's where the path leads him. He goes into a dark cave and he can't see a thing. But he hears all these cries in the distance and he hears the enemy speaking to him. And the enemy is saying, if you take a misstep here, you will fall to your death. Don't even bother. Go back. And Pilgrim has the faith and the confidence to recognize, I am going to take a step, and the Lord is going to direct my step. My, he's walking by faith, saying, I don't know what's coming. I can't see in front of me, but I'm going to step out in faith, knowing that God is going to guide and lead me. And so wisdom has the ability to do that. It will, it will guide your steps. It'll lead you on a path of safety where your foot will not stumble and your sleep will be sweet. This is such an incredible promise. Verse 24, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. When you're walking in the way of wisdom, you sleep soundly. Um, I love this promise. I struggle with it. Right, The last couple of years, there have been a lot of moments where I, I am not walking in wisdom because I can confess the lordship of Christ. I can confess my faith in him, but 
functionally speaking, practically speaking, what am I doing? I'm waking up in the night and, and the language of my heart is the throne must be empty. Like the world seems crazy. Maybe everything is out of control. So I'm acting in unbelief. But when you walk in the way of wisdom, you can lie down and you do not have to be afraid and you can lie down and you can sleep in a way that is sweet. And don't we all need more of that? Yeah, we all need it. We, we lay down and we want to be able to rest in a way that says, the Lord is my confidence. He is on his throne. I will be okay. And that's what is being offered to us today. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. Have no fear of these things that come down the pipe and we're thinking, man, the world is falling apart, but not in the way of wisdom. In the way of wisdom, you have a confidence in God. So you can look at life and you can go, okay, my health might fail. But if I have wisdom, I don't have to fear because the Lord rewards the faithful. And the Bible tells me that those who are following him by faith will receive a new body to enjoy a new heavens and a new earth. My, my health can fail and that would be okay. Financially speaking, those who are wise can say, I don't have to have everything going my way. I don't have to have all of my retirement stuff just working out perfectly. I can go through financial setbacks and I can come to the conclusion, I'm still okay. Why? Because I know that there is a God who owns everything and he is watching over my life. Financially speaking, I'll be okay. Or a very relevant thing, we can look at the world right now. We can fear that ruin is going to overtake us because we can be looking at the societal unrest that's happening in our nation and we can think about the political division that's happening and the issues at large in our society and we can wring our hands and we can go, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. We can become fearful. But if we're wise, we can come to the conclusion, God is in charge. And he sets up kings and he deposes kings and he superintends his people through all kinds of grim situations, no matter what's going on in society. And we can say, we are okay. We do not have to fear sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Here's why it works. God is there with us. He is right beside us by his presence. That's why the Lord himself, when he was commissioning his followers, he said, I will be with you to the very ends of the age. It's not just some esoteric idea of, yeah, he's going to somehow just superintend us. No, he's saying, I'm with you by my spirit. I'm going to anoint you for the task at hand that you would do this mission in the world. It works because the Lord is at your side, keeping you from being snared. So wisdom is at the very heart of creation itself. It is very valuable. It is something that we should lay claim to by faith and expect that it would work because it does. And secondly, we find here that wisdom is for the world. Wisdom makes the world a better place. Because wisdom is a part of creation and because it works, those who practice it actually begin to reflect God to the world. So it makes the world more hospitable. It makes it a more habitable place. It makes it a more beautiful place. We become more neighborly. We begin to look at other people and deal with them in a way that reflects the heart and the character of God. So we're told here to be careful because our hearts don't gravitate in this direction. Wisdom has to be onboarded and applied. But when it happens, it, it really is beautiful. So first off, be careful that you don't withhold good 
from other people. Verse 27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. In other words, it's saying there are going to be moments this week where people are going to come across your path and you're going to have the, the means to do good for them. And we're being, we're being warned here, do not withhold that. Don't think to yourself, okay, there's an opportunity here, but I'm going to go away and pray about it and see if I should come back and revisit this. This is saying, no, 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 you, you, you have permission from God to get after it right away. The wise person looks at the world and says, how can I bless? How can I serve? How can I do good for those who need it? Do not delay. Look at verse 28. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Don't look at the needs in front of you and go, well, let me just think about this a little bit or let me just kind of delay and I'll, we'll revisit it later. What we're told to do, and James says the same thing in his letter in the New Testament, he says, don't Look at people who are in need and say, okay, good luck. I hope it goes well for you. If you have the means to do it, do it today. Do good to those who are right in front of you. That is the way of wisdom, to recognize God has been generous to you. Now you get to pour out his generosity to other people. And be careful with how you deal with other people because the tendency of the human heart is evil. Look at verse 29. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. We're dealing with all these people and we're cruising through life. And one of the things that we often do is we look at our neighbor and we plot against them. And I know this sounds funny, but it happens more often than we'd like to admit. We, we often look at other people and the way that we plot against them is we try to co-opt them into our mission and our plan. So we look at other people and we think, how can I use you to get done what I want. And they're just living peacefully beside you, trustfully beside you, but what you're doing is you're trying to use them and leverage them for your own sake and your own kingdom. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who's living trustfully near you. This is true in my life. This is true in our church. There are a lot of times where we look at each other and we begin to think, not how can I bless you, encourage you, support you. We look at other people and we go, how can I get you on board with what I want to do? We try to co-opt people into our own mission. So do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. And be careful with how you communicate about other people. Verse 30, do not accuse anyone for no reason when they've done you no harm. One of the things that we often do in sin is we look at other people and then we start to talk about them. We talk in a disparaging way. We, we slander. We, we call their character and their activity into question. And we share that with other people. And this is saying, Wisdom is the exact opposite. Wisdom creates a habitable, habitable world that's trustworthy. Wisdom creates an environment where people love and serve each other. They bless one another. Wisdom creates a safe space for people to be vulnerable and real, where harm is not a threat that you're kind of walking through life going, I think people are out to get me. Wisdom creates a beautiful environment that we call a gospel culture. The wisdom invites us to live beautifully in this world. It tells us to be content and do good. Look at verse 31. Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways. One of the things that Proverbs continually brings up is, if you look at the world, one of the things that we're often tempted to do is to look at evil and think, that looks like a lot of fun and that looks way easier. And this is saying, do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways. 
Do not come to the conclusion that to go with them would be in your best interest or a shortcut because it will result in harm. Verses 32 to 35 give us that future judgment that God is going to set, settle all accounts. He's going to make all things right. And it tells us in verse 32, the Lord detests the perverse, but he takes the upright into his confidence. He detests the way of the wicked, but he takes those of us who are walking by faith and he says, come near to me. I want to show you my heart. I want you to see inside of my confidence. I want you to be invited into this inner circle with the Lord himself. There's a a principle that travels through scripture. It's the principle of blessing and curse. That in the law of God itself, there's tremendous sections on blessings and curses. Whether you follow in the ways of the Lord or you reject him, there are consequences to those things. And in verse 33, it's brought up here. It says, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. There is a blessing for those of us who are willing to walk by faith in the Son. The principle is found in verse 34. He mocks proud mockers, but he shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. That we, we've heard that before. It actually showed up in chapter 1. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So what do we want to do? We want to be humble people who are receiving from God who are trusting in God, who are depending on God for all that he can give us. And the outcome is one of blessing. Verse 35, the the wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. When the final conclusion, when you look at the world and you think about which way should I take? Should I go down the path of wisdom that looks hard? It looks arduous. It looks difficult. It looks like it's not going to go well for me right away. Or do I take this path, this easy way? that looks like it's full of all kinds of fun and all kinds of ease and pleasure and goodness and and all these things, the end of these paths are very different from one another. If you go the way of the wicked, it results in shame. It might look like you're going to get everything right away and you're going to be incredibly happy, but God will set all things straight and he will settle all accounts and those who follow the way of the fool get only shame. But to those who say, I'm going to cling to wisdom itself. I'm going to hold fast to the tree of life. I'm going to hold out that hope that there will be healing, that there will be eternal life for me. They will be honored because they will be clinging to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would help us become a wise people who are laying claim to Christ by faith. The invitation that he gives us to receive from him all that we need. Lord, I pray that everyone in here who can hear my voice and those that are watching online, that all of us would place our faith in Jesus Christ for our salvation and for our future. We thank you for the blessings of wisdom. We thank you that it's built into the fabric of this world and we know that it works. Give us the patience of faith to be obedient in the meantime while we await your return. Lord, we look forward to the day when you make all things new. And we want to live by faith in the Son of God in these moments while we wait for that day to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.